everyone. Welcome to the Enterprise Mobility Insights Outlook podcast. I'm Gina Daniel-Lee, Vice President of Strategic Alliances and Partnerships here at Stratix. It's been a minute since we've been together on the podcast, and I'm happy to be back today and excited about our topic. Today, we're going to talk about supply chain, specifically supply chain in the warehouse. And I've got with me today our friends from DTG, Connor Merritt, Channel Account Manager, and Cam Shaheen, Lean Six Sigma Black Belt. Hi, Connor. Hi, Cam. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Thanks, for, Nina, thanks for having us. I'm really excited to have you guys here. Let's start off by having you tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself, if you will. Connor, why don't I start with you? Sure. Uh, thanks for having us, Gina. We appreciate it. But uh, like you said, my name is Connor Merrick. I'm a channel account manager here at DTG. I've uh, been here just under three years um, and still thriving uh, with the company, obviously. But uh, I'm, uh, I work out of the, the headquarters out here in Boston. So um, anybody needs anything, I'm always on the East Coast. You're about to get some cold weather too, right? <laughs> always coming through and always expecting it at that point. Exactly. Cam, how about you? Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, Cam Shaheen here. Uh, I'm a Lean Six Sigma Black Belt for DTG. Been working here for about four years. I work mostly with end users on discovering use cases for our products, but also uh, on the product development side and doing requirement gathering when we are deciding to go forward with developing a new product. So that's kind of where my background lives. And uh, fortunately for me, I live on the West Coast in San Diego, so I won't be dealing with the cold weather that uh, Connor and the rest of the team will be. There you go. We got both ends of the spectrum. So let's jump into the questions and I'll start with you, Cam. You know, have, Tell me, do you, do you think that customer expectations have changed the way the supply chain industry functions? And, and if so, how? Yeah, I think like, We've all heard this story, but COVID had a huge impact on this. I think, you know, prior to COVID, brick and mortar was still a real way people went to purchase things. I think the COVID period really accelerated the need for online ordering and e-commerce. Um, now, what challenges this has brought to the supply chain industry is to try to manage last mile delivery. You're talking Bovis, you know, customer expectations are things should be here overnight. I mean, Amazon's pushed that to same day delivery. So there's just this increased need to cycle your products through your operation faster than ever before. So it's created a really big need for more efficient processes, more automation to accelerate things. And I think lastly, with labor issues, just all of those things together kind of, you know, have made it even more difficult to meet the, these new customer expectations. Yeah, and, and you said it. I mean, things have definitely gotten worse because of the pandemic and the effects thereof, right? Are there ways in which companies can alleviate some pain points there? Yeah, I think, you know, in my practice, a lot of it is leveraging lean and Six Sigma principles. Um, it doesn't even have to necessarily be lean. It's really just focused around continuous improvement and looking at the way you actually process things in your warehouse. So, you know... I tell our customers that you should have a holistic view of your entire operations. And what I mean by that is you have to have kind of a good map of what's going on now. Um, so that's kind of always the first step I, I tell customers is map out what you're doing right now. You know, to look at your, your, your processes that have the most volume, the most amount of items or inputs going through it, and you'll tend to see bottlenecks. 
Um, and then within those bottlenecks, you'll see the waste that exists because of whatever the issue may be. You know, sometimes for our customers, a lot of it is motion waste. So they're walking back and forth across a large warehouse. The reality is too, that with this increased demand, now they're doing it even more often. Um, and so then you get to the point where, you know, a 30 second walk that used to just maybe do 10, 15 times a day, you're doing it 30 to 50 times a day. And, and that waste starts to add up really quickly. So once you've identified that waste, then you start looking for solutions. I think sometimes, especially in the supply chain industry, we all know about the solutions that exist. You know, we've been to conferences, we've been to different events, we've read articles around, well, here's the technology you want to implement to be industry 4.0. And the reality is they're expensive. And so I often tell customers work backwards from a solution. So everybody knows you need a WMS system in most warehouses. So you work backwards from knowing, well, what does a WMS system do? And what parts of my business does it affect? And then you look at those parts of your business and, and you can kind of map out how it is now versus how it would be with, a, you know, a WMS system. And you start to see the gains you get from shifting to that system. And every gain, every waste eliminated has a cost associated with it. And that's kind of how you can help justify purchasing these types of solutions. Does, does the size of the facility play into that, you know, whether it's harder or not to identify waste, meaning does you know, do smaller warehouses face the same problems as larger ones? Absolutely. I think that oftentimes, especially in our industry, we look at size as like a, a determining factor of whether or not a solution is a fit for us. And the reality is size has no impact on waste. It's actually volume. So it's the amount of times you do a process. The, rea the reality is, is if you're in a mile long warehouse, and you're doing a process 10 times a day that takes about two minutes, you know, that's, that's about 20 minutes of waste of, you know, let's say that two minutes is waste for every time you do it. Now, if you're in a small warehouse and every waste opportunity is let's say 30 seconds. So it's a quarter of that mile long warehouse, but you do it a hundred times a day. Right. Well, you're more wasteful than the larger warehouse. And I think oftentimes we look at the size of a warehouse as, as determining factor of the, the impact of that operation. But when you kind of look at the nitty gritty and you start to look at the data of what I'm doing now versus what I could be doing, you start to see that volume has the biggest impact of volume of a process. So, you know, the amount of times you do a shipping process or, or receiving inventory cycle counts, whatever those processes may be, it's really about how often you do them that impacts the waste. That makes sense. Connor, let's get you in on this conversation a little bit. Leaning into, you know, pain points due to the pandemic, what types of solutions are out there that can help alleviate them? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. I mean, obviously, with the, the progression of technology and new equipment that's coming out, it seems like on a yearly basis, um, mainly seeing how we can incorporate a lot of that technology into making the everyday the tasks easier for the associate that's going to be using them. So whether it's RFID, new barcoding equipment, uh, updates in software and different types of um, uh, technology that can help make the task a lot simpler, but also mobilization of the technology as well. Obviously, getting it away from a fixed location and to a point of tasks really alleviates a lot of the pain points of having like a lot of these to be pushed out the door quicker, but at the same time, make sure that it's done correctly and with uh, minimal um, errors involved as well. And, and DTG really specializes in mobilizing in warehouse operations, right? Tell me a little bit about that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, so the heart of our company has always been our battery system to help us mobilize uh, people and equipment to the point of task. That's really how our company came to be and what our overall goal is for a lot of our end users. Um, I mean, just mobilizing technology within a warehouse space, um, you can see you have supervisors that get out from behind a fixed desk and are actually out on the floor uh, intervening with a lot of the day-to-day -day operations and have more of an, a foot presence uh, in the everyday stuff. But also, you're also reducing waste and injuries that the associates are doing because they're, they're moving less. They don't have to go as far to complete these tasks. And when you're using motion waste, Cam will tell you, that's where we're going to find a lot of the ROI at the same time. But we're also alleviating injuries because there's less movement and you're getting a lot more tasks done quicker. Um, it keeps operators right in the zone of where the point of task is. And it gives them the ability to cover long distances and achieve those tasks quicker as we move forward. Um, it allows them to be more efficient, more productive, and obviously see the turnarounds and the benefits of that um, very, very quickly. Yeah, that makes sense. Cam, your your role within the company is very specific as a Lean Six Sigma black belt. Yeah. Let's you know we you touched on waste um, a minute ago. Let's talk about waste reduction. How does that play into the supply chain? Yeah, I think. The supply chain industry is one of the least innovative spaces. And a lot of the reason for that is because it's not a revenue center for most companies. Um, when you look at companies and how they make decisions on what they're going to spend money on, a lot of the times the investment on new technology, whatever that may be, or new infrastructure, whatever, whatever thing they're adding, it often goes to the revenue centers. A lot of companies are goals are, all right, well, let's, keep pushing into these areas to help increase our revenue, whether that's increasing your product features, your sales force, whatever that may be. And at some point there's marginal return on your revenue center. And that's when you, you need to start shifting towards your cost centers and looking at reducing waste. And a lot of companies fail to do this. And I think what I see a lot, and especially in the supply chain spaces, there are the biggest companies in the world that are still doing things with technology that was introduced 25 years ago. It's true. And a lot of this is because they're not looking at these areas enough. They're kind of like, well, I, it's a cost center. I just got to like keep doing it the way I'm doing it. And they don't understand that if they look at the operation specifically and, and look at the waste that exists, they can really start to solve some of these other problems like labor issues, um, increased turnaround time expectations from customers. When you get into a warehouse and you start kind of looking at these processes that have just been kind of stagnant in the way they've done things for 15, 20 years, I can't tell you how many times I hear from, well, this is how we've always done it. And they've been working there for 10 to 15 years. And that tribal knowledge is impossible to pass down. So when you can reduce waste and increasingly standardize the way you do things, it becomes easier not only to manage your labor issues and turnover because the processes are more simple, um, and it also can lead to more productivity within your warehouse. So I think waste as like an overall factor is, is something that I think is ignored, um, by a lot of companies. A lot of times it's just because there's not this top down approach of, we care about lean, we care about six Sigma. Our whole goal as a company is reducing that waste. The companies that do are incredibly successful. Amazon is Amazon because they have efficiency goals every year. Managers are expected to increase the efficiency of their operation by a given percentage every year based on what their KPIs were the year before. Most companies don't do that. And that's kind of where I think a lot of companies are failing. 
Yeah, that's a great point. So for this final question, I want to get both of your perspectives here. If you will, look into your crystal ball for me, and how do you see the supply chain industry evolving over the next five to 10 years? Connor, why don't you go first on this one? Yeah, absolutely. Well, obviously, uh, our goal is to mobilize people to make it very much easier with our solutions and, and different cart solution configurations to help mobilize people and getting jobs done right at the point of task. And obviously, technology is going to change and alter throughout time and become more efficient. So as we see technology um, exchange and become more prevalent and, and better, we can also see how we utilize that cart and, and utilize the different type of technology in a better solution and a better place. So being able to at least mobilize is a big factor in that. But being able to mobilize all the new types of technology that's going to be coming is going to be very, very um, necessary when it comes to uh, newer technologies coming out and with all the different types of power draws and different types of um, accessibility things that these products are going to be able to do. Uh, we want to make sure that we can keep up with with power supply. But the main goal when I see in the next five to 10 years is mobilization taking over for a lot of the different technologies. But at the same time, uh, we see things becoming a lot smaller and a lot tight niched when it comes to the processes as well. That's great. So Cam, what's in your crystal ball? What does it tell us? Yeah, I think that you're going to see a lot more increased data collection um, due to kind of this new wave of digital transformation. And with increased data collection means more technology on the floor, um, whether that technology is RFID, you know, robotics, semi-automation. I think you're just going to see a more of a need of a network and infrastructure around your IT because that part of your operation is now supporting your labor more than it ever used to be. Um, I think what's good about these technologies is that you'll be more efficient processes that typically, you know, let's say I was doing cycle counting in a traditional world, I'm either using a barcode scanner, which is, I think currently is actually a pretty forward technology. But if you're talking about RFID, that process changed completely. So you go from having to scan every single bin to just walking down an entire aisle and getting that same and getting actually more accurate traceability with RFID than you would with a more laborious process. So as these things happen, you're going to have parts of your operation that are semi-automated, incredibly efficient, and then other areas that are going to suffer because you've created a bottleneck somewhere else. You've become so efficient here that this other part of your operation is now inefficient. So it's going to be kind of this give and take of, I automate here, it kind of creates a bottleneck here, I got to automate there. So I think the future of the supply chain industry is automation and technology. Um, I don't think we'll be at the point where we're going to get AI and robotics running operations of warehouses in the next five to 10 years. I think, you know, to my point earlier, technologies are still, I mean, companies are still not even adapting to technology that's 20 years old. So, you know, you kind of have to, there's a lag between when the technology's proof of concept happens and when it's inputted into a real operation. So I think you're going to see more automation, more digital transformation, more data collection. I think you're right. Um, thanks for that. That's really good insight. I appreciate that those perspectives. So as we wrap up here, we like to have a little fun and um, I'm going to fire some rapid questions at you if you're game. Absolutely. All right. So winter or summer? Summer. Oh, I'm winter. I could, I could have guessed that from our opening. <laughs> I, think, I, will, right? I will say I do love skiing. So it's, it's, they're close. They're there close. you go. It goes either way because if it's the summer, it's always golf, and if it's it's winter, it's either hockey or skiing, as Cam says. So it's one of the two. There you go. 
Would you rather always have a full phone battery or a full tank of gas? Oh, full tank of gas for sure. I'm going to go phone battery. I, I hate driving. So, but that could be because I live in California and the driving here is, is tough. Too many people on the road. That's true. I think I would go with the full phone battery too, because I can walk places, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. And then finally, when you were 18 years old, what do you, what did you think you would be doing now? Oh, geez. 18 years old. I was still had aspirations of trying to play in the NHL, but that, uh, <laughs> those dreams were dashed long ago. So, um, that's what I wanted to be doing, obviously, but, uh, I knew business was going to be business and sales was going to be my next route if, uh, if that wasn't successful. So uh, I'm kind of right where I thought I would be, which is kind of nice to say. A blue one, huh? That was that's your right. aspiration. Okay. That's right. How about you, Cam? I think funny enough, Connor and I, we both played college hockey. Um, so I had similar aspirations of being in the NHL, but I think a coffee shop, I always liked the idea of owning a coffee shop. That was kind of a, at 18, I, was, I thought I'd want to start a business at this point, but now I'm realizing that's a lot of work. So maybe I'll wait a little bit, you know, Thank you, Thank <laughs> need a little bit more money to start a coffee shop. Your future as a barista. Yeah. Gax, it's been great having Link's you. We'll have the most efficient espresso machine ever. So yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Well, guys, it's been great having you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your perspective and your insights. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having us, Gina. We appreciate the time. Of course. And listeners, as as always, if you liked what you've heard and would like more information or would like to sign up for future episodes, please visit us at stratixcorp.com slash podcast to subscribe. We'd also love it if you'd rate or have leave a review for any of our podcasts that you've listened to or to suggest any future topics that you'd like for us to explore. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>